The only thing that's in my mind right now is a question you've heard already many times today. Can you guess which one it is? Are you aware? (laughs) And what are you aware of right now? And how are you being aware? Is there any leaning in to the thing you're aware of? Wanting something, rejecting something, or just kind of a fading out and losing connection? Somebody said today, gosh, out of 60 minutes, I think I was aware for one minute of the 60 minutes. And and I know that kind of reflection for myself on retreat when whatever, whichever way we present the instructions, oh my goodness, I had one moment of mindfulness and I was, you know, 48,000 moments of non-mindfulness. That means I'm going to have to, you know, be here for at least 48,000 days or whatever way our mind starts to conceive of how you actually get here. Any of you have those kind of calculations that we're sort of comparing to some idea of how the process unfolds, how it's going to work out that I'm going to be awake, because I look like I had half a moment of bare wakefulness. But what's marvellous, actually, and I would hear the senior teachers tell me this, but I didn't believe it yet, that we just keep plugging away with faith, um, just Keep faith with the form and actually the concentration, the mindfulness and the wisdom start to follow when we sincerely um, follow the guidance. But our mind likes to assess, or at least many of our minds like to assess and calculate how much further before before the end of suffering. (laughs) How much longer, how much longer before the end of suffering. But the way our mind usually conceives of the end of suffering is, um, what is it for you? How would your mind, how do you, what picture or ideal do you have in your mind about what the end of suffering looks like? Do you have one? Because very often if we examine, it sometimes is either an end to all this unpleasant sensation, Right? The end of suffering will look like when my body is kind of light and free and spacious or gone or whatever we imagine. But you don't look far in the text. The Buddha, he had bad backache, right? Clearly the end of suffering isn't about, in, in this lifetime, is not about the bodily formation becoming perfect. Bodies are subject to old age, sickness and death. And that we are all in together. In fact, one teacher begins, one monk begins his Dharma talks, Dear brothers and sisters in old age, sickness and death. Here's our common denominator. And birth, right? Birth, old age, sickness and death. Some of us, the old age may not come to a big uh, ripening or maturity. It may be earlier. But certainly those bookends of birth and death for this particular form 
that we call me, this body. So tonight I would like to reflect a little bit about the first foundation of mindfulness. Um, Mindfulness of body, as you know, we looked at it in the guided practice today. Why does the Buddha start here for us? Well, it's a place of pain, it's a place of suffering for us, it's a place of bondage as well. We get very caught up with bodies, don't we? (laughs) Our bodies, other people's bodies, how they look. If they're the right one, what's happening to it, what doesn't work very well anymore. Trying to, maybe we've tried to gratify ourselves through the body, or we've given up on the body because it doesn't work well enough to gratify us, so I'll try and be spiritual, and that must be something apart from the body. And the Buddha is quite precise and brilliant where he talks about the extreme views with regard to body that we either think we are the body or we think we're in the body or we think we're not the body or something other than the body. And he's going, no, (laughs) no. The way you can know the wise relationship with body is to come into this awareness, to be aware, to know what we're aware of and one of the realms of what we're aware of is body. As it arises here and now, immediately, through our sensation, through the sight, sound, smell, taste, and the sensate touch, inner and outer of the body. Come to examine this, rather than your view and opinion about what the body is here for. We can have a lot of fear around the body, Um, It's a very sensitive creature. We are these sensate, alive things while they're alive. They're very sensitive. And that is why many of us have wanted to move away from the body and come up into our head or get out of here completely through abstraction or however we try and do it sensitive. Somebody treads on your foot and it hurts. They're delicate, they're easily, they're easily impinged upon. Right? But, but the body is also a remarkable place of awakening. And this is the first foundation, to wake up to a wise relationship, to know body as body, no longer through our ideas, our hopes, our fears, our wishes, our um, gratifications, our using it for purposes, but coming into a wise relationship, to wake up to our body, to our senses, so we can have our life. So we can really have our life. One of my teachers 
um, she was speaking it with humility, actually, of the depth of the identification with the body. And what I mean by identification with the body is how we take it to be I, me, or mine. Right? We think this is me. Right? If it was me, if it was mine, I would be able to control it. Right? That's what the definition of mine is. It's something that's my possession. I can do what I like with it. But if we hang out on this life long enough, we realize we can't. It's subject to the nature of things. It belongs to the nature. It comes of the, from the earth and returns to the earth. But our degree of identification, of our fear around it, of it being hurt, of it dying, of, of it not performing properly is deep. It's a kind of a gut, instinctual reflex in us. And she said, um, and she's, a, she's done a lot of practice and very uh, uh, beautiful being and a beautiful teacher. A lot of freedom has emerged for her through her work. And some years ago she had, um, she nearly died from, uh, I can't even remember what it was, but some condition of her body where she uh, was rushed into hospital on a, um, it was touch and go. And she said it, she could see that moment, and maybe some of you have had that in your life, where, where it, it was not known for her. She could see that it could be the moment of dying or not. And she said what arose for her was, uh, and, and you sometimes hear these stories, that right there and then, in that moment when it wasn't clear whether she would live or die, in a way her life flashed before her. As You know, you hear this story. And she said what she saw in that flash wasn't so much all the events of her life. She got to see very objectively the degree of realization and freedom that was there and the degree of bondage and identification that was still not yet free for her. Right? It's like she got an assessment. No judgment. It was just like a kind of, oh, yeah, there's, there's freedom and there's, here's where the clinging is. And she said she saw there was more work to do around her clinging to body, around her clinging to body image, to body sense, to the self, in the sense of body. But at some point in our life, and even if it's the moment of our death, we're shed, right? The body sheds. And this material phenomena of body returns to the earth. So this is deep in us, and we don't have to push it. It's delicate, it's tender, there can be fear, but it's also a remarkable place of waking up to what we are, we could say, beyond the body. The language is very tricky because our head likes to go, well, am I the body or am I not the body? Am I something other than the body? Am I in the body? Am I... I always want to know who I am. And the Buddha says, keep coming back to your direct experience. This is how the untangling happens. The body is first foundation also of mindfulness, I think, quite brilliantly. It's a place of stabilizing our awareness, right? The body sense is slower than the mind. It's more meaty, it's more, we could say, more clunky. We feel that sometimes. It's not as refined a phenomena as the 
thoughts and the images and the brightness. Right? It doesn't move as fast as the emotions. It's not so much movement. It's kind of plonk. <laughs> Here it is, right? Has a certain stability when we allow ourselves to come into awareness. Here. Right? A certain stabilizing quality. One time I was uh, having a lot of difficulty in my practice and with my body for all kinds of different reasons. And I was complaining to my teacher um, about body and, you know, kind of lets us down, doesn't it, in the end? And this isn't the end yet, you know. So at least there's a, another half a second. And we don't know when the end is. And he said, you know what? This practice would be so much harder if you didn't have a body. <laughs> I was like, oh, I never thought of it like that. Can you imagine just all the mental phenomena? Yes, she can. <laughs> right? We really, we really would go nuts sooner. And some of us do. Right? If we're completely believing and locked in to the mental realm... It's hell, actually. It's really hell. And with the body to try titrate our experience, it gives us a bigger basis, right? A bigger basis to a kind of bigger arena, thankfully, to start to manage the world of mental phenomena, of emotional phenomena, and the physical realm. So I don't want to say be grateful for your body because that's, that's not quite it either. But how are you relating to body? How are you treating body in practice? How is it to be aware with body, as body, through body? There's a, there's a sign I saw. I, I think I've ever seen it before. You know, there's all these signs in Guy House and you sort of... I've never seen this one before. On the stairs, and, and I think it's because we're using the word aware so much, right? There's a, a, on the stone stairs up opposite the uh, lounge, there's a sign at the top that says, please be aware on the stairs. And it struck me today, right? right? And it's a kind sign that's saying, basically, it's using awareness in the sense of there's a potential danger here. Right, isn't there? You could slip down the stairs. Please be aware. Please, pre- please bring presence to your movement as you walk down the stairs. This will allow for the stability and we're less likely to get tripped up if our body is in good health. For some of us, actually, even if we're aware, our body doesn't necessarily conform. I have a, a very dear friend, Dharma practitioner, who has... Um, muscular dystrophy again a lot of depth a lot of practice and her body's functioning is such that she can't actually walk up and down those stairs she's awake she's aware in fact the mindfulness and awareness is how she can even stay standing right bringing that presence there so if our body is in well enough health sometimes we can um, lose contact with it Sometimes it's ill health that uh, calls us back. Like even a cold, for example, we're fully aware of the body again, aren't we? It's like, oh, 
right? The difficult aspect of body. We, you know, we could usefully look actually how we're relating to body um, in the bigger picture of of the big body of this earth as well. Right? How we relate to this body, the one I call me, and how we relate to this big body that we're kind of held onto with gravity and um, live on and through the bounty of this earth. If we're relating to our body as something other, and I certainly have done this and can do this, it's something, you sometimes get the sense, it's like I'm up here, and I'm kind of looking down, and I'm slightly above the body. There's the body down here, and I'm up here. That can be one of the ways we, one of the wrong views of body. Or that it's something separate from me, that I can use it, that I can um, use it for my gratification, or I can um, kind of use it for my comfort to try and get pleasure and um, not take care of its well-being. And it can be very similar with when we're not fully in contact with wisdom and love that we treat our earth as something other, as something separate, as something to use, as something to gratify me, as something to take from for my pleasure rather than to consider what long-term well-being would look like. So one of the features of wisdom um, uh, I really like is, is, is the understanding of the difference between short-term gain, which can be pleasure sometimes, right, um, at the expense of long-term uh, benefit or freedom. So let's see if I can say that a different way. Um, <clears throat> on the instinctual level, we, we want good things, don't we? And I want to make it really clear, practice is not about having to always have bad things. That there is more opening, there can be more pleasure and ease and grace as we deepen. But on an instinctual level, we want to be fed, we want to be gratified, we want to be, um, we want to keep our comfort going. We don't want to experience the unpleasant things and sensations. Wisdom is seeing, is not about forcing myself to experience what's difficult. It's about walking the line of knowing, actually, is this action in this moment for long-term welfare and benefit of the whole, or is it not? And the way we can see that is really through whether the attitude, whether the awareness is tinged with grasping, right, where we want to get something, keep something, whether it's tinged with rejection and pushing away, or whether it's tinged with this dulling out and disappearing trying to disappear out of the picture of what's here.
So the Buddha asks in the first foundation many things. I want to share some of it with you. It's quite, I don't know if it's lovely, but it's, that's how it struck me today when I read the sutta. So I was looking in this um, text, the original text, and the, the uh, foundations of mindfulness called the Satipatthana Sutta, the ways of setting up mindfulness, the ways that we can set up a practice of to support us to be awake for our long-term benefit and freedom. And I want to read you a couple of parts, but um, one of them is where he says, "To, to know the body as body, to know the body in terms of its elements, right? What's it made up of on the material level? So he uses the system of the four great elements of earth, right? That's... Again, it's not an abstraction. See if you can sense it as I say it. So this isn't like a, a something just to know the knowledge of. It's something to contemplate through our direct experience. So right now, earth, that means this kind of density. As I said earlier, this kind of plonk. Here I am. It's this kind of solid. It has gravity. It has weight. It's the earth element. Contemplated in terms of the water the cohesion, the water, wateriness that sticks things together. And sometimes we can feel the watery element in the tears or the um, saliva as we contemplate. Know it in terms of the air, this, um, the fluidity that allows things to move. Because there's air, things can start to move in the body. We feel that, the vibration, the tingling that you speak about today in the exercise. And the fourth element, the fire. Know the temperature, hot, cold. We're quite basic creatures on this level. Rather the same, aren't we? Can you sense that? Here's one bit I looked at again. I hadn't looked at for a long time. How does this strike you when you contemplate this? He says, review the body in, term, in terms of its parts, and he gives a list. Here we are. Are you ready? <laughs> a sense into them, because we've got them all. They're not always the bits we like, like to show on the outside, some of them, but here we go. Um, he says, in this body, there are head hairs, body hairs, nails, teeth, skin, flesh, sinews, bones, bone marrow, kidneys, heart, liver, Diaphragm, spleen, lungs, large intestine, small intestine, contents of the stomach, feces, bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat, tears, grease, spittle, snot, oil of the joints, and urine. (laughs) Welcome to Guy House. (laughs) It's like, oh, that's right. And he's asking us to look at this contemplation. Traditionally, sometimes... um, it can be used a number of ways, actually. It can be skillfully used to not get so excited about the body. Some, some of us, are, you know, it's like, oh, bodies, you know, give me another one. You know, we can get very lustful about bodies or we get, want to gratify around bodies and we start to contemplate that last section and it's a little bit less alluring, isn't it? <laughs> Contents of the stomach, uh-huh, okay. Feces, bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat, tears, grease, spittle, snot, all of the joints and urine. And already I'm a little cooler. <laughs> right, so we can use it skillfully if, our, if there's a lot of grasping around body. 
it, it's also quite remarkable, right? It can also open us out to go, wow, look at that. Look at this bag of things that's kind of right now is alive. And I can see all of these ones. Same story we're in. There's a bag of bones with all these particular elements to them, all these parts, and for some reason it's propped up with life and it breathes and it thinks and it's sensitive and it wants to be free and it's, it has a story and it has a history and it's subject to birth and death. You see how remarkable that is? And sometimes we lose touch with that. People sometimes experience it at the bookend times, at a birth, at a death sometimes. We can start to go, wow, what is that? What is that thing that's propped up and animated and wants to be free? What is that? It it struck me very first time I was with a, a... a member of my family who was dead already. It was my father. And I wasn't there for his death. Um, uh, My mom and one of my brothers were. And I got home a day later. And, um, yeah, his body had already been taken to the funeral home. So I took the bus from my mum's flat and wanted to to be w- with the body actually as a as a to say goodbye and as a contemplation and a, and I was curious and I sat and they took the lid off and it was just my dad actually it wasn't well was it my dad it was really remarkable there's his body there was his body it's, it's ten and a half years ago now. And he had the haircut still, the dodgy haircut that I'd given him about three or four weeks before with the kind of skew-whiff bit in the fringe. Right? Still there. This little scar he had under his lip that I'd known all my life. And, And I touched him. And it was cut. He was cut. He, it was cold, and hard. And it was my dad, and it wasn't my dad. And how does the mind hold that? It's a mystery. The contemplation of mindfulness of body can take us deeper into into the respect and awe for this life and this death. And I stayed with him for a while, and the mind can't do a whole lot. If you've been there at birth or death, and actually as we deepen in our practice, our mind can't wrap itself around this mystery. The conceiving mind can't wrap itself around this mystery. And yet something in us is called to participate even though sometimes we don't want to. We want to get the hell out of here because it's difficult, it's painful. But try as we might, all our escape routes 
show up as dead ends, right? We try and escape just through the head. It doesn't work in the end. It doesn't satisfy us. I remember one man on retreat who had a brilliant mind and he um, was a screenwriter um, and he came for an interview on the first day. It was his first retreat and I have told this before and he said, ah, uh, oh, I'm not interested in all this here and now stuff. He said, that all belongs to the 60s. He, thought, <laughs> he hadn't quite got the whole lineage, but anyway. Um, he goes, oh, that belongs to the 60s. He goes, I love, I love my fantasy and creativity of my mind. I said, fine, <laughs> go ahead. It's like we have to be motivated enough, don't we, to see where our dead ends have got to. Creativity is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. This is not about the loss of creativity. But it's about knowing where we place our home, where home really is. That's what our heart seeks. Our creativity can be a marvelous manifestation of this life. But you know what it's like if we take, make that our home, then we have to be brilliant all the time. Or we have to keep coming up with new things. Right? Rather than see, sometimes creativity arises. Anyway, after a couple of... On the fourth day, he came back and he signed up for an interview. Actually, I think he came and got me. He goes, help! <laughs> help! He goes, I'm so sick of my mind. I'm so tired of it. Now I'm ready. Right, now I'm ready. We have to, in a way, be primed enough to see whichever ways we've tried to make home that haven't worked out, whether it's in a relationship... And yes, they can be beautiful things. This is not about a downer. The Buddha was not like putting a downer on things. But he's actually asking us to examine where is real rest? Where is real refuge? Where can the heart release? How does that happen? And we keep seeking for that in places that keep saying, you're welcome, but it's not exactly here. It's not exactly here. I like this bit from the again from the first foundation of mindfulness. He says a, a bhikkhu, a monk, but a practitioner, a sincere meditator. He says acts in full awareness, right? And we'll explore more exactly what that looks like. But he says um, acts in full awareness when going forward. Right there, you are, or walking down the stairs acts in full awareness, right? Body is known, body is permeated with awareness and presence, acts in full awareness when going forward and returning. She acts in full awareness when looking ahead and when looking away. She acts in full awareness when flexing and extending her limbs, right? She acts in full awareness when wearing her robes and carrying her bowl. So something about the fullness, the fullness of that presence as we walk down the stairs. Yes, so we don't trip over, but also yes, because something else can start to be known and come through. Sometimes we've uh, withdrawn away from the awareness with body as body because of the reasons I mentioned earlier. 
we, we, many of us have been hurt through body, either or hurt ourselves through body, or just felt a lot, or it's just feels sensitive, right? But the, the consequence of trying to make home also somewhere else is that it's like then we kind of numb in our body or dense in a cut-off way. Or, <laughs> I never liked this image, but one of my teachers used to say, he said, it's like I'm dragging around some old meat. It's like we're dragging it around and we have to feed it and you have to wash it, and, right? Kind of begrudgingly hanging out with this thing till it's all over, right? It's like, what would real relationship look like with this body, with that body, with this body? Acting in full awareness. I really like that. Actually, I don't think I've uh, finished the part that I wanted to share about my father. Because when I left him and and I felt very privileged actually to have that you know where you've been intimate in a certain way and you think you're kind of intimate with the body right and you you are like I would you know sometimes hug my dad or (coughs) and yet something's changed and yet the love may still be there How is that? How does that take us to the mystery? So when I took the bus back to, uh, it was in Croydon, which I didn't know was uh, funny for some people, but I was somewhere, I was on Dartmoor recently, and I met this couple, and they said, oh, I'm from the dreaded Croydon, they said. So anyway, I'm supposedly supposed to be ashamed from coming from Croydon, but anyway, I was in Croydon, and I'm not. Um, I was in Croydon. I got the bus back to the shopping centre in Croydon and just sat there because it had had a big impact to be with my dad. And there were some buskers playing, like a couple of guys on guitars and drums and families doing their thing, some of them squabbling and some of them not. And, and the view opens, doesn't it, when, we're, when, our, when we let go of the old views. And what struck me most was, wow, Look at all those, and I I want to explain how I saw it. Look at all those corpses in the making, right? It wasn't uh, morbid. It was, wow, look at that. They're not, they're alive. Something is propping them up. Something keeps being blown through and keeping this thing animated for the time being. How remarkable. How remarkable. How would it be as we go through our days together to treat ourselves with that awe and respect that we may at a birth or a death, where the reverence and the paying homage may be a little bit more clear for us, where in the meantime we kind of become, can become more dull <coughs> to this existence. One of the ways the Buddha encourages us to contemplate body in this whole sutta also is around death, uh, around death, um, particular kinds of death reflections, and and I've just obviously uh, offered one with with my father, 
Um, well, there's another way I'd like to, to look at it. You may have seen, and some of you will know very well, that we have a, a real skeleton here in the walking room next door. If you haven't been, be warned <laughs> or be ready or you know. Oh and this is not because we're particularly morbid here at Gaia House. It's, this is part of the tradition of contemplating a death as a way to wake up as a way to wake up. And many people take time to sit with that skeleton um, and they find out whatever they find out as we sit with, a, with openness, presence, full awareness and breathing with this experience of uh, just the bones part that the flesh has already dropped away. All these pieces that the Buddha talked about, the contents of the stomach and etc., etc., dropped away, but this part that's a little harder is still here for the time being. When my, um, <clears throat> when my, uh, one of my beloved cats died a few years ago, um, he was someone, he was called Blue, and he was someone that the vets said had the best tail they'd ever seen. <laughs> and I was proud, right? Mr. Blue had this big, thick, black and white tail right and you know how it can be that's another way we get with bodies we can be proud of bodies as well right and i was vicariously proud of mr blue and he was characterized by this tail and you know where is it now where is it now sadly he got knocked over and um we found his body it wasn't yet cold we brought him home um, sat with him for some time and buried him the next day. And we had to recently do some earthwork in our garden because we want to build a little meditation room. And Mr. Blue's tail, where is it now? It's returned. I don't think there's anything left of it now. That remarkable creature on that level, returned to the elements, returned to the four great elements. There's loss. And there's mystery. Let's see. What else there is from uh, the sutta that I wanted to tell you? So just take a moment right now to know body as body. This is the instruction to know body as body. And the only way that can be known is in the immediacy. It can be pleasant sometimes, it can be unpleasant, it can be neither. Can we keep resonance and full awareness with body? Can we practice that? Because we forget, right? We might be there for one moment, we sense body, and then, whoop, we're lost again, we're... 
dreaming about tomorrow or wondering how on earth am I going to manage to stay here for seven more days or we're counting off the sittings. And we're but we do all the things we do. We, we, find, we try and find the escape routes we try and find. God love us. <laughs> we do. And we see ourselves doing that. It's okay. I remember on a long retreat once and before I realized I was doing it, I was, I think I even had like a, a chart I'd made, not consciously, and just kind of ticking off the end. And it was a three-month retreat, so it was pretty dire at certain <laughs> points. Of, um, I think I, I don't know if I counted how many hours were left, but it was going that way. You know when things are tough? When things are tough, something tough is arising in the present moment, you'll see that the mind invariably moves into time. Time becomes writ large in the mind, doesn't it? It's like, oh my God, 9.30? They think I'm going to stay up till 9.30? I'm, you know, I can't bear it. I can't do it. I'm going to die if I have to sit here another moment. And then we become aware of that at some point. And it took me ages. <laughs> I've got a grid and I'm counting off what's going on here. Aha, uh-huh. can I be aware? Am I aware? Mostly not. Mostly not in that counting. Okay, now I'm aware. Two weeks in, I think I became aware. Something's going on here. What am I aware of? Well, I'm aware that I'm counting off the days as if I'm in... As if someone's put me here out of my, uh, out um, not of my own volition, but I signed up for it, right? Okay, what's actually going on here? Oh, something difficult is arising right now. Oh, there's a knot in my stomach. Oh, there's some fear. Oh, there's fear that I don't think I can manage that I don't think I'll survive, that I don't think I'll cope. And some of these, again, can be the very instinctual level in us that needs holding very kindly, stroking, caressing, soothing, meeting. Oh, it's okay. But I can't manage two more months. But can you manage this moment? You don't have to stay here forever. Can you manage this moment? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this moment I can manage. Okay, can I breathe? Can I breathe out? And I become aware of what's happening and I can respond. So what would it be in these days together to bring this full awareness as you walk down the stairs? Not just for the danger of it, but for the awakening in it. And sometimes we need a little danger to wake up, don't we? Sometimes that's why the reflections... Sometimes when people um, do find out that their life has been cut short, can for some people be a real call to wake up. Or conditions have changed, or something's not working so well. Sometimes those things press on us to go, okay, let me, let me see what this life is while I still have time. So sometimes just that, I think somebody said yesterday, didn't they? Um, what was the combination? Fearfully excited or something like that, I can't remember. Fully aware as you walk down the stairs. Here's the invitation. Fully aware 
as you walk along the corridor. Feeling your foot on the flagstone. Maybe noticing when your body contracts when you walk past somebody sometimes. Do any of you notice that sometimes? I think it was many years of my practice before I noticed. I think what normally happened, I walked past someone and I'd be in my head or I would leave my body entirely just to manage the world of people. Right? And then we slowly come more into body and we see some of how come we've left. Right? Walk past someone on the instinctual level. Is it a foe? Is it a friend? Is it a mate? Is it something I can eat? Right? All those things might operate, but we can hold them, we can soothe them, we can breathe with them, we can rest with them, we can hold this aspect of our human animal that we are. This one aspect. It's not the totality, but it is one that can often lead us when we're not fully aware of our pulling away from people, of our uh, running toward people. Fully aware as you do your work period, right? Fully aware as you handle the broom if you're sweeping. And of course you're going to be spaced out and not fully aware sometimes. Can you be fully aware when you see that? So you're not assessing. Fully aware as you hoover. Anyone hoovering? It's a great job. Sometimes I catch myself hoovering. (laughs) And fully aware, sometimes we have the sense that fully aware means I'm going to be some beautiful, bright being. Fully aware, I sometimes become fully aware to the way I'm holding the hoover. (laughs) Right? It's like, oh, what's going on here? Wow, I'm hoovering. God bless her, like my mum. <laughs> right? Wow, look at this. I'm hoovering for, I'm hoovering for Croydon. Right? I'm, I'm right there with the kind of impatience, all right, get this done. And I become fully aware of that, the contraction, the impatience. Your, your story will be different. Sometimes some of us will hold the, not quite hold the hoover, hope it does it itself. And we're kind of, oh, no, hoover. So we can take an interest in these really mundane things. We can see so much. And if we can give ourselves the, 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 you know, the word contemplation has the word that's related to temple in the middle of it, right? We're in the temple here. This is a sacred art. Please keep your inner critic If he or she arises of, I shouldn't be like this, I shouldn't have this arise, I should have something else arise, this isn't very good, this isn't very noble, I'm not very aware, you're never going to get it, why are you even here, you're a load of rubbish. Anyone sometimes see those? (laughs) That piece, right? Send that up here to sit with me in Shada for a few days. You can see that too, you can become fully aware of the critic, we can see that but that it's not guiding your process. Right? So we can be in the temple with the protection of the temple. You know, and some of the traditional temples have these protective deities around them, or roaring lions I saw in Bali, these kind of rah, fierce things at the temple gates to keep out 
for now. For now. That which would say you have no right to freedom, that which would say you're never going to do it, that which would say, oh, you're way too messed up deluded, whatever it is, the harshness that we compile on ourselves, that can stay outside the temple gates. There is a protection here that we are allowed to find out. Yes, we act within precepts here. We have an agreement together that we don't act out. But within that, we will see many things arise in the heart and mind, which we can contemplate. From the perspective of awareness, it's really okay. It's really okay. So to be in the temple as you hoover, as you do your washing up, as you clean the toilet, and you may notice your physical responses, your mental activity. Why do I always have to do toilets? I don't even use this toilet. and I didn't even make a toilet. You know, we can become awake to that. All of it can be held and seen. Because our awakening, if you have any idea that awakening is something other than here, in this realm, where we have the clunky bodies that need feeding and nourishing and caring for and washing and caressing and holding and touching and nursing and exercising. If you think awakening is something apart from this, that may be another one of those dead ends. We wake up here. We wake up here. That as we come more into body, we can also soften the identification. In In one teaching it's talked about being in the world, being in the body, but not of the body we know something else as well. As we clean our teeth, as we care for ourselves while washing, how much care is there of this material form as you wash yourself? Sometimes I notice I scrub my teeth too hard. And the dentist has told me lots of times, right? But it's instinctive. It's a little bit hard. Right? Ah. Ah, it's okay. It's okay. And we come back to body. We're aware, awake to what's happening And we can respond, stabilize, feel the earth underneath us, sky above, breath by breath, we become awake. And we wake up in this realm, here on this earth at this time, with these people, with this body, not a better body, not a better time than this, not with a different history, with this one called me. So let's sit for a minute to end together.
May all beings rest deeply on this earth. May all beings be safe and protected. May all beings come to know body as body. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.